Good morning. And welcome to Redwood Christian Church on this beautiful summer day. Um, we are here. I, I have to make this announcement real quick just because there's a baby in the audience and it's her, his first time ever at church. So amen to that. Let's go ahead and stand up. Turn. turn you got to turn so everybody can see him. This is Sean Paul II, SP2. Sean Paul Norville II, as I call him, Deuce. Um, gorgeous little boy. Um, we are very, very glad that you've brought him for us all to enjoy. Um, and it's also great to see mom up and doing really well. And uh, yes, I don't know if uh, labor is something I ever want to try. No, I know it's not something I ever want to try. So um, we're going we're gonna to leave that for the ladies. Um, but thank you for bringing him. He's, he's absolutely beautiful. I got to hold him, and he's just like so little and content. His little legs are just like, you know, just swinging and loving life. It must be hard to eat, sleep, and, uh, you know, the other thing every, uh, every now and again. Uh, anyway, good morning. We're glad you're here. Uh, if it's your first time or you haven't been here in quite a while, uh, welcome. We're glad that you're, you're here to worship with us and to, to, to get a message with us about uh, Christ. And um, it's just awesome to be able to worship in a home together safely. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, you know, today. As we go through uh, a new series, we're going to start today. It'll be about eight, nine weeks long. Uh, in this series, it's uh, the book of James, one of my favorite books. I am pretty fond of the other 65 as well. But uh, this one stands out. This, this, this is the book that challenges us. So if you have a Bible with you today, I really want to encourage you to get it out. Um, we're going to be in it today quite a bit, and uh, it, it's just great. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Daniel Baker. Um, I'm the youth pastor here. Um, our pastor, Kurt, went back to the Northwest Christian Conference, uh, Conference this last week. He should be flying home, I believe, tomorrow, late, late evening, early into Tuesday morning. Uh, so if you can keep him in your prayers, um, that would be wonderful. So this morning, like I said, we're going to be getting into the book of James. And uh, I want to tell you a little bit about James before we get to reading. James is a half-brother to Jesus. He's obviously Jesus' younger brother, um, but he's older than the rest of his siblings. And if you can imagine one of your siblings going around saying they're God. You know, saying, he's the light of the world, I'm the bread of life. No one gets to the Father except through me. I'll tell you what, if my older brother told me that, I, I would have thought he, lost, he was off his rocker, right? I mean, he, he's lost it. Just think about that. So your siblings are going to go tell you, I'm God. And you're just going to laugh in their face, I mean, right? So James basically is experiencing this. James knows Jesus is junk. Yes, Jesus was sin-free, but I don't know if it's necessarily a sin to argue with your sibling. I mean, it's like standard issue when you're born is to argue with your sibling and wrestle around and do all those things. So James knows this about Jesus, you know, and Jesus knows James pretty good too. James is a little more human, so he's, you know, he's going to get in more trouble. But he doesn't believe in Jesus. He does not believe what Jesus is having to say. You can go into the book of John in chapter 7, verse 5. It says that. 
it says the brothers did not believe in him. Okay, it says that pretty plain. They don't believe in him. So I really want to give you that little bit of background because James ends up doing a 180, a complete 180. I even want to say 360, but he didn't go back the same direction. He, he believes. And what happened was Jesus died on that cross. Three days later, he went and paid James a little visit. And if my brother were to do the same thing, I'm probably going to believe him now. And that's exactly what James did. He believed, and he believed all the way to his deathbed. He died a martyr's death. So he believed very, very strongly that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. So like I said, I want to encourage you to get your Bibles out. Uh, we're going to go to James chapter 1. We're going to start at the very beginning. I'm going to read all the way through verse 18, and then we'll go back and talk about that a little bit. James 1. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it would be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and no doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. It blossoms, it, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire, and enticed. So this is like a lot to take in in the first half of the first chapter of James. And remember, I told you James, he's a servant of God now. He's done a 180. He now says, I am a servant of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He was willing to be stoned to death for that. That, that blows me away. He obviously resurrected. His own brother came too. Like, like I said, my brother, it doesn't matter what he says or does, there's no way I would ever believe him, ever. It says right in the same verse, the 12 tribes that scattered among the nations. Okay, this is very significant. These are Christians that are being persecuted. These are Christians that are being martyred. Okay, so the 12 tribes that are scattered among the nations from being persecuted, that's who James is writing to right now. He's trying to encourage these Christians, these new Christians, to stand up, stand right where you are. Don't go. You're fine. Get through it. God's with you. 
It, it's worth it. It's worth it. And so, if you want to know a little bit more, like, about what exactly was happening, you can turn to the uh, Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 8, it talks about these Christians right here being persecuted in James. And this actually helps us date the book because the person that's doing most of the persecution in Jerusalem is Saul, who we all know as Paul, who wrote all of the epistles in the Bible. So it's obviously before that. So this book was written right around 49 to 50 AD. So that helps us know when this was written. And what's amazing to me is James took this to his death. Okay, about 12, 14 years later, James was martyred. He went to his death for his brother, which he knew was God. So it's pretty remarkable. But now I want to get into the meat of this. And this is the part that kind of hits all of us. It says, Consider it a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Consider it a pure joy going through trial. For me... In my human nature, the first, thing, the first thing that I usually think of with a trial is two things. Losing someone I love or battling cancer now or, or a significant disease that could kill us. Those are the two things that pop in my head. That's the trial we're facing. Of course, here these people are being tried by running for their lives, you know, sharing the gospel with others. But I want you to know that there are Christians in this church Still to this day, and I know Christians that served in this church till their last day, who have done it joyfully and continuously spreading the gospel. It's truly remarkable to see Christians standing steadfast through the trial. They know the outcome. It reminds me of uh, a woman given birth. Joy, was that fun? Was it the, the part where you had to push? That's terrible, right? But when it was all done, when it was all done, what joy you get out of that. It was worth it. Was it worth it? Yes. Absolutely. Carrying that child for nine months, going through, going through that miserable time. It's miserable for you. I don't know. Um, <laughs> sorry. But look what you got, right? The outcome is amazing. And that's the same thing for us as Christians. If we stand through the tests and the trials, it's going to be amazing when it's over. I cannot wait to get out of this place. I love all my family and friends. I don't want to leave my kids behind, but I can't wait to get out of this mess and go see Jesus. And that's what James is trying to tell these guys. Hold it. Be joyful. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I got you. I got your back. And if you go to the word testing, I want you to look at the word testing. It's there in uh, uh, verse 3. Another pastor used this, and it just stuck with me like glue, and I absolutely loved it. The word testing is actually a word used from that time period for a goldsmith or a silversmith, precious metals. And what they did was, they would dump the precious metals into a boiling pot of like just hot water, super hot. And as it sank, the, the silver or goldsmith would like sweep off the impurities. They would, they would take the impurities out of the water because they rise to the top and you clean off the impurities. And then they kept doing that process over and over and over again until what could happen was 
the, the gold or silversmith would look down into the pot and they'd be able to see their reflection. It was so pure. And when we go through a trial and we're being tested and our faith is being tested, exactly what has happened is the same thing. God is testing us. He's helping us get through it and persevere and stay steadfast in all that we're going through. And as we're going through that, he's removing the impurities. And at the end, he's going to see a reflection of him and us. And that's exactly what he wants. He's trying to make us holy. He wants us to be like him because he wants us to share his light with others and spread the gospel and make disciples and bring them to him. And so he can work on that person and get rid of all their impurities. And it's really important to know this because what keeps happening is the opposite in us. Because there's a snake in the room. And we're going to talk about him in just a minute. As you guys, if you keep reading, you'll notice it says, How do you get through it? How do we persevere? Where do I get the wisdom? It says, Ask for it. Right there, it's pretty simple, right? Just ask for it. But when you ask, don't doubt. The moment we start doubting, it hinders our prayers. It hinders what he's wanting to do for you. The person that put doubt in your mind is Satan. So quit doubting God and start doubting yourself. Doubt you. Doubt your own doubt, okay? I'd like to move forward and uh, over to verses 13 through 15. It says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown, gives birth to death. I don't know about you guys, but being tempted happens to me every single day. To even just put it mildly, I've been going through a 40-day fast of sugar. (laughs) Oh, that is hard. My wife, so my birthday was this week. Please don't sing. My birthday was this week. It was last Thursday, and we ended up, what we had to do was we bought a cake, and it was about that big. And we put it's just about as many candles as we could fit. And we have seven kids. So it worked out really well. We just cut that cake into seven pieces. <laughs> so me and my wife could stay away from it, right? So, but I was tempted. And then we had a barbecue last night and had all the family over, and she bought two cheesecakes. Oh. <laughs> I still want cheesecake. Oh. And now it's the 4th of July. Man. And then when I came to church this morning, so I now drink black coffee. I'm drinking black coffee. I'm trying to stay strong to do this fast. And I need him to get me through it because I really like cream and sugar. It makes it taste so good. Because then you just get the caffeine and you can drink it. But now I'm drinking black coffee and I actually, it's not bad. But it dries out your mouth a little bit. So that's why I got water. Um, and this will be a short sermon. I've had two cups of coffees and three bottles of water. So, (laughs) 
I did that because I'm really hungry. Because <laughs> I didn't get a donut when I was out there because they're all sitting there smiling at me when I went to get my black coffee. Okay, so there's trials everywhere. They're all around us, all right? And as I'm, I'm sitting over this sermon and I'm trying to think, how am I going to tell a story of a trial? You know, this is a simple one. It's, an e- it's not that big a deal. If you falter, okay, you can start over. It's a little sugar, whatever. But it's important to me. And there's nothing that I can say that would top probably half of you guys' trials and temptations that you've battled through your lives. And I'm like, how am I supposed to express my trial to you guys and keep it biblical and, and really just hopefully impact? So I sat there in prayer. I, I even left my house, went for a drive, and I came home. And I realized there's no better person to speak of than Christ. Jesus Christ. He was tempted. He went through temptation. So this, I, I found this story. I don't know if any of you have read it. But it's in Luke chapter 4, and I'm actually going to read the whole thing, uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. And I want to encourage you guys to, uh, to go ahead and follow along. This is an amazing story of temptation. So this is when Jesus was tested in the wilderness. And so sorry about my font up there. It was plenty big on my computer. But I'm going to read it. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, remember that. Right at the very beginning, Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. He left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those 40 days, and at the end of them he was hungry. I'd have been. The devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him on a high place, or led him to a high place, and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to you, to anyone I want to. If, you're, if you worship me, it will be all yours. This next verse, this next verse is pretty intense. To me, it was anyway. This is Jesus speaking. How many of you guys can quote Deuteronomy? I mean, do you even know where that is in the Bible? Some of you might. That's not a book you just necessarily study, just Deuteronomy. And that's what Jesus actually did. He's sitting in the wilderness, and he's hungry, and he remembered Deuteronomy. I don't, I don't know. So it says, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to, Jerus- uh, led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And I want you guys to all take note. That was a quote that Satan was saying that it was written. It is written, but he twisted what was written. It doesn't say that. Okay, it says something completely different. So Jesus answered him and said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until the opportune time. Remember that word opportune. So to me, this shows, if you think about it, the devil is trying to tempt God. If the devil is going to be willing to tempt God, do you think he's not going to be wanting to tempt you? If you remember, we 
are followers of Christ. And as Christ even said, he hated me first, they hated me first, but they're going to hate you too. Okay? Satan hates Jesus. And you are a reflection of him. Remember, you were tested, and he's making you holy, and he's making you pure. He's testing. Now, now, now Satan's tempting. But remember, at the very beginning of that, it said, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. This is something he gave us Christians to help us through these temptations and through these hard times. He gave this to us because he knew we couldn't do it on our own. The moment you turn your back... And at your weakest moment, he strikes. Look what he did to Jesus here. It says, Jesus, you're hungry. You haven't eaten in 40 days. I don't know about you guys, but after 40 minutes of not eating, I'm probably ready for some more. <laughs> he went 40 days. And he said, Jesus, you're, you know, you're God. You can turn that stone right there into bread. Eat. But Jesus knows something really important here. He's not going to sit down and break bread the devil. He's not going to break bread with Satan. And he doesn't want us to either. But we, we do way too often. Too often we fall into that trap. Satan wants to come and he wants to invade what is good in your life. When you doubt Christ or you turn your back on him just a little bit and be like, ah, it's all right. I'm just going to go this way a little bit. Jesus, I'll be right back. There's Satan. You can go all the way back to Adam and Eve, the very beginning of time. They were in the Garden of Eden. They were entrusted with the garden. God tested them through that garden. He said, you can have all of this, but don't touch that. Don't touch that. He trusted them. And that slithery little snake came on up and bit him and said, you really going to, well, we're going to like this. You should eat this. This will give you all the knowledge that you need. And what happened? It was destruction. So in Luke there, as Jesus is being tested, Jesus knew that something was coming. He was going to have to face the cross. Satan is trying to give him a way out. He's trying to give him a shortcut. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdom of the world. And he said he could have it all. He can have all of this worldly stuff. I'll make it yours. He was trying to give him a way out of the cross. Jesus was facing a trial. It's coming. He's going through it. But God said, stay steadfast, my son. I want to get you through it. I'm going to be right there all the way through it. And he was going through a trial I don't know if any of us today could even face. He was ripped and torn for us. And he knew it was coming. And he wanted to run. And he never did. He never faltered. And that's exactly what happens to us. We end up falling. I want to give you guys some truths about temptation. Being tempted. Number one. You will be tempted. You're going to be tempted. It says right there in James, you're going to be tempted. Not if. It's when. And when you get tempted, you will be at your weakest moment. 
Satan's not going to show up when you're strong. He wants to find you when you're weak. He wants you to step away just for that one little moment, that one little instant. How many of you guys driven a car a long ways and it got dark and it was a little warm in the car and your eyes are getting heavier and heavier and everybody else in your car fell asleep? Yeah, it's the, the noise of the road. You can't have the radio on because everybody's sleeping. You know, your eyes getting heavy. That's when Satan goes, hey, you know what? Go ahead. Just for a minute. I got you. Just, just close them. Just relax them, just for a second. There's rumble strips on both sides of the road. We'll be good. It's all right. If you hit that rumble strip, you're just fine. Just wake up, and you're good. Okay? It's happened to me. What if it was something a little bit more? What if you're addicted to something like sugar? Okay? It's hard. What if it's more than that? What if you turn on your computer and you fought addiction of porn? Okay, and you get these pop-ups, and it wants you to follow it. And it's so tempting to just click, give it a little click. Hang on, I heard nothing. Satan wants you to believe that. That's a weak moment. But that's when we go, God, I need you right now. Delete. What if you go to dinner, and you're an alcoholic, and the people around you are drinking? It's enticing. You're being tempted. If you struggle with alcoholism, you know exactly what I'm talking about. What if you're addicted to pills? What if you're addicted to pills? You just want to feel better. Your back hurts. Your neck's hurting. You got a headache. You don't even want to get out of bed. But you gave up pills. And you know it just makes you feel so much better. Even if it's temporary. They're all shortcuts. It's all a shortcut. And it's something that we're going to be facing. It's a trial in our life that we're going through and Satan's right there to cut you off and say, you know what, I can make it all better right now. And God said, no, wait, be patient, persevere, be strong. I'm right here, be steadfast. I'll make you stronger. He wants to make you stronger. He wants to make you more mature. It says if you're lacking wisdom on how to get through it, he says, Ask for it. Ask for the wisdom. Because that's going to happen. Anytime. Every day, you're going to be tempted. Stay the course. James is saying, stay the course. It's not easy. Number two. Just because you're tempted does not mean you've sinned. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I love it. Just because you're tempted, you haven't sinned yet, okay? The devil is tempting you. He wants it to become a desire in your heart. He wants you to want it. Because what happens through desire becomes action. But until you make that action, you have not sinned. So don't let the devil fool you. You do not have to take that next step. When he wants you to take that next step, take a step back and say, God, please get in the way. Lead me to the cross. Take it. I fought addictions. I'm I'm not a big fan of admitting this. I used to chew tobacco, okay? Not a big fan of it because it's gross, all right? But anybody in here does, I understand. 
I get it. I don't even know why I started. It's disgusting. Okay? I lied to my wife. She said, when we met, she's like, I don't think so. Nasty. <laughs> it wasn't even, don't think you're going to kiss me with that mouth. It wasn't that. She said, nope. I ain't going to be with you. And I said, no problem. I'll quit. I quit right now. That's what I told her. And my first birthday that we had together, she was in cooking for me, and she had this great elaborate meal, and I snuck out to the, to the garage, and she snuck a little dip. <laughs> I can't tell you all the story, but so she goes in the house, and she came out, and she's just so loving, and she's like trying to be loving on my birthday and kiss me and everything, and I'm like, oh, no, I got to go cook. <laughs> and I got caught so red-handed. I ruined my own birthday for lying to my wife. And of course, what do we do? Blame them, right? Real quick. It's not my fault. Not my fault. It's her fault. You shouldn't have caught me. Right? Yeah, but you're alive. For now. Okay. <laughs> Bam. I broke my own trust in my own, with my own wife over something so stupid. And it's called addiction. But Satan wants you to fail. He wants my marriage to be disrupted. And it took me hitting my knees and saying, God, take it. And I haven't chewed since. He takes it, but you have to ask, and you cannot doubt. And there's days, there's so many days that I've gone into the gas station to pay for my gas, and it's right behind the counter. It's been years. I haven't done it for years. But you still have a, a, a little want. If you're addicted to something, it doesn't go away. You're just becoming stronger. And that's what Christ can do for you. He makes you stronger and more mature in your decisions. It's, it's not easy, but He can take it. And His love can mask it for you. And it's a permanent band-aid. It's not one that's going to fall off when you jump in the water. And lastly... A life with Jesus, he never said was going to be easy. It's not going to be cush. He never promised us, oh, you give your life to Christ. He didn't say, I'm going to make it cookies and peanuts for you. You're going to be happy forever from now on. Life is good. Now that you've been baptized, all your sins are washed away and all your cares. Life is carefree. I wish, right? I think that's going to be heaven. That's what we're promised. But we have to stay steadfast until we get there as we're leading other people to Christ. That's our job. To struggle through the trials with Jesus so we can tell other people we know exactly what you're going through. I've been there myself, but he's got a better plan for you. Because it will be great when we get to heaven. It will be fantastic for those eternal years. Eternal years, guys. Longer than you are alive. So Jesus doesn't promise happiness. He wants holiness. But you have to go through his test. You have to go through the process of being tested. And not tested as, hey, let's see how much scripture you can remember. It's not that kind of testing. 
We want you to read your Bible. We encourage you to read your Bible. That's how he speaks to us. But nowhere in your Bible does it say, remember all of your Bible, and you're going to go to heaven. It says, walk with Jesus and believe in him, and you'll go to heaven. That's what he wants you to do. James is trying to warn these guys. They're about to be stoned, cut, hung, nailed to a cross. Stay the course, guys. It's going to hurt for a minute. But it gets all better. And I want you guys to remember, everything we do is a choice. Every little bit. Every day we wake up with a choice. You can wake up and give it all to God right there. Or you can wake up, dang it, I got to go to work. (laughs) For those of you that got to watch Church in the Park last week, he changed, he flipped it. He said, quit saying I have to go to work. Start saying I get to go to work. He blessed you with a job. Be grateful. It's not I have to wake up. You got to wake up. You got to breathe. How about that? He's got control of that. And he gave that to you. So as you go throughout your day, you have choices. You have choices, and they end in a circumstance. You can end up ending with a positive one or a negative one. All depends on your choice. It actually depends on who you take with you. It's amazing what can happen when you take Jesus with you at the start of your day. Because you're going to face trials, and you will be tempted. I promise you. I want to encourage you, stay the course. Trust in Jesus. Trust in him with everything that you have because everything on this planet is temporary. I've faced loss. I've had addiction. I've had wonderful relationships with friends and family. But none of those are going to equal what we're going to get in eternal life. And James is saying, guys, you can do it. And James wasn't just writing to those 12 tribes. Those 12 tribes were Christians, folks, just like you guys. No different. I think we have a little easier because we have beds and phones and clean water and things like that. But stay the course, folks. There's going to be really, really hard days, really, really hard days. God is bigger, and he's greater. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, I thank you. I thank you so much for everything that you've given us. You've blessed me so much. You've blessed this church so much. Give us the ability to be just as bold as James was in telling people. Just as bold as James was to go to other Christians and just just surround them with love and encourage them to keep on fighting. Be bold enough to tell others about Christ, Lord. Keep us bold. Help us stay encouraged. Help us gain wisdom as we ask for it. We love you so much. In your holy and precious name, amen.